All right, folks, welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Look, um, uh, there was a great interview here. David Charnes uh, here um, Channel 8 did a uh, sit-down uh, and take apart on Tony Shea. Now, th- those of you who aren't in Las Vegas, I, I got to talk about this because it's a it's a it's a story that really ought to be far more carefully followed. Tony Shea, friends, he was a an entrepreneur. He started Zappos and sold the company for I think around eight hundred nine hundred million dollars. Uh, lived in Vegas, loved Vegas, and ended up investing a tremendous amount of money into downtown and redeveloping areas, parts of Las Vegas that were formerly derelict. Now, here on the What's Right Show, because the program comes to you live every day from beautiful downtown Las Vegas, I can tell you how important Tony Shea's legacy is. There are parts of the city that are revitalized because of him. But by the time he died at 46 years old in a house fire in Connecticut in November of 2020, using drugs, I think whippets, I guess that's what caused him to essentially light the room on fire. Uh, He was an absolute shell of his former self. I saw, well, the estate is suing. His estate is suing, and they're looking to claw back money from contracts that he signed at a stage in his life when he was clearly unwell. And what they're doing in order to prove that is they're, they're going through witnesses, including the singer Jewel, who was very uh, close with Tony Shea, and going through some of the things that, that she observed and others observed of him in his twilight years. So, for example, and I have some of the list here, becoming Neo. He thought he was becoming Neo from The Matrix. He would just suddenly break out into interpretive dancing, acting like he was inside a movie. Manic ranting. He'd publicly shame people. (laughs) Put post-it notes everywhere. One time he got on a bus going on a trip with some friends and he was uh, wearing underwear, just underwear, carrying crayons and a stack of post-its. He believed he could shapeshift into objects so and, and other animals wanted to become a gazelle apparently i mean this stuff is 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 wacky now why am i talking about this i'm not here to malign tony shea's legacy but what i i do want to talk about i know many out there have struggled with a friend or a family member who's had an addiction And it's very difficult to help. The people that were around him who wanted to help felt powerless. And those people who were around him and, well, took advantage, plied him with drugs, plied him with alcohol, and then sought to extract benefit from him, there were more of those than of the true friends that tried to help. 
I don't know. Uh, they, I guess they tried some form of an intervention. I, I've I've learned that these are from personal experience. Producer Robbie smiling. I found that intervening with people who are on a precipitous slide in a drug-fueled state is difficult, if not impossible. Uh, there's a right way to stage intervention and a wrong way. And one of the things that you know we, we kind of do here in Vegas, because I want to back up from this, Tony Shea, I- again, if you're in downtown and you're somewhat involved in what's going on in the city, pre-2020, Tony Shea is like a mythical figure. And any criticism, boy, I mean, you'd bring this stuff up back in 2020 after he passed and and the the reaction from from people here in Vegas, well, you just leave, you know, leave his the decency of his memory alone and don't talk about it. I, you know, I've touched on it a few times, but this, Charnes is really the first reporter to thoroughly go through what's going on in this case and detail for everybody to see a, just how bad it was and how extreme the financial abuse was of people close to him. And I think we do a tremendous disservice, friends. I'll be honest. I think we do a tremendous disservice by not talking about this. People, believe it or not, can be two things, right? Somebody can have a heart of gold and have an outsized influence on a city, on his community, and at the same time be a drug addict. Someone can be a brilliant businessman and at the same time have terrible judgment and friends. Two things can be true about one person. Uh, and that's something that sometimes is lost on us because we like to see those people. We like to organize things in our heads. Okay, this is a good guy. This is a bad guy. This, is, this guy belongs over here. This is, she belongs there, right? We have a sort of an idea of where we, where we put people. And I, I, I know this because 2020, let's see, I was here a year. So I, I never met Tony Shea. By the time I got to town, Tony Shea was on, on a precipitous uh, downhill slope. Rumor was he was living in, in Utah. In fact, he'd left Las Vegas altogether um, and was, you know, was, was clearly not in a good place, which testimony in this trial is, uh, seems to be showing. So... Yeah, the, okay, whippets, by the way, somebody's asking me, whippets, yeah, this is a, a nitrous oxide. You inhale it. You get a euphoric high from it. It's also a touch flammable. So kind of like me and the bear spray and the pigeons on the balcony yesterday, it can be dangerous to operate, particularly in confined spaces. I at least went after the pigeons with the uh, bear spray out in the open. However, you know, the wind. I told you about that yesterday. I don't want to get sidetracked. But at any rate, this is a very important conversation. And here in Vegas, we tend to be very protective of our own. We love our city. I certainly am a, am a uh, diehard Vegas fan. I love this community. I love the city. I love Southern Nevada. I love all of Nevada. And I, I am generally very defensive of people who do good in our community. But the reason this is so important is, hell, this, this substance abuse problem, one, is not confined to just Tony Shea and a handful of almost billionaires who are investing in local real estate. It's something that affects everyone. 
if it doesn't, like, I don't, you know, I, 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 everybody says that they don't have a problem. I, I don't have a problem. I've, I, you know, I've never done a hard drug. Uh, you know, I've tried marijuana, don't like marijuana at all. Um, and, um, you know, I like, I like wine and cocktails. So I, you know, but I, I don't ever drink to excess. I just don't have the gene. I'm not predisposed to it. I'm very fortunate. But every person I have ever met has encountered somebody with substance abuse. And the most horrifying thing is when you have somebody like that close to you. If it's a family member, a spouse, brother, a sister, a child, a business partner, for example, it's a big problem. No, not Ashley. No, she's fine. Don't look at me like that. You know, you know who I'm talking about, Robbie, and I'll just you know, leave it at that. It's not, that's not the point of this. The point is that I'm very happy that the true Tony Shea story is being talked about. And I really want all of these disgusting, lecherous uh, grifters who mooched off of him to, uh, to gain money. I mean, th- th- these were not small sums of money. This person picked up a couple million bucks, another person five million. I mean, they went after him. They were fleecing him as he was walking around in his underwear holding crayons and post-it notes and yelling about how fat people are everywhere. I mean, it was this is crazy stuff. And it's wrong. And I love, I love that the estate is holding these folks accountable. Frankly, the more of this testimony that comes out, I, I see, uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised that some criminal charges haven't been filed, to be perfectly blunt. I think some of this was, was, uh, was, a, was a criminal act uh, in, a, in abuse of a vulnerable person. And we have laws on the books that protect against this. So, uh, you know, I, I tell you, it, it's, well, it, it, what, what's, what can be done? Look, the, I had somebody like this in my, I'll tell you, just, uh, I had somebody like this who was, we had a, a venture together. We'll put it this way. And I remember I went to my, I went to my psychologist, right? I went to see this. I was, this guy was going, going crazy on me. And I go to her and I say, Hey, this guy is doing X, Y, and Z. What should I do? And this gal and her older lady, phenomenally bright, you know, she was family therapist kind of, kind of gal, but went to her because I wanted her opinion on what I was experiencing and how to react to it. And she says, you know, this is going to sound funny coming from me, but you don't need me. You don't need a, a psychologist. You need a really good lawyer because you're in a deep problem. This person's gone off the edge and enlisted all these symptoms and all this stuff. And, uh, and I, so I, so I, you know, I went through with that and then I'll tell you, I, it, it was, that was great advice. So one thing that's true in all of this is when you're around an addict, friends, listen to me. This is a what's right show, absolute gospel truth. If you've got an addict close to you and things are, things are not good, protect yourself. It's like that admonition you get on the airplane. Put the oxygen mask first on you before you help somebody else. You've got to take care of you. And that is a fundamental truth here. And so I feel bad for everybody that was close to Tony Shea. I feel terrible for everyone who is going through this here and now with somebody that they care and love for. And I absolutely wish nothing but 
you know, horrendous consequences for every person that takes advantage of people in their vulnerable state. All right, quick timeout. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Welcome to the program. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Friends, um, well, let me put one last button here on the sad story of Tony Shea's demise. Tony Shea uh, was the entrepreneur, started uh, the shoe company Zappos sold it to Amazon for close to, a, I think, a billion dollars, a lot of money. And he used that money, but he was an interesting guy because he lived very modestly. Uh, he has had a number of, of, of houses, places that he lived, but, you know, he, he was a modest guy, and he, but he spent a tremendous amount of his own money, invested it in revitalizing downtown Las Vegas. And for that, he is, uh, will always be cherished, remembered, uh, but he also had some some demons, some drug use. And that case now brought by his estate against people who, well, went to Tony Shea and, and uh, had him sign contracts that gave them a lot of money while he was clearly incapacitated, walking around half naked, getting, um, I guess, what did he say? He was offering people $1 million to wake him up or turn the lights on and off. He offered half his net worth to somebody who would sign a suicide blood pact with him. Was telling people he was God of the universe, that kind of stuff. This is all coming out in this case. Now, my reason for talking about this is just a bit of awareness for anybody out there dealing with this type of, of um, insanity in their in their lives, close to them. And this, by the way, this was not this was mental illness brought about with ex- by extensive drug use. He was abusing a lot of different kinds of drugs. And um, I remember I was telling you the story of a, a problem I was dealing with uh, close to me. And, you know, I, I told you the advice after I, I, I brought the problem to the, um, to the psychologist. He said, you need a lawyer to protect yourself against this guy. So I did that. But eventually I had somebody close to me tell me that I ought to go and uh, attend an Al-Anon meeting. Now, if you're not familiar with Al-Anon, you, everybody knows, well, everybody knows, you're right, right. So, we, the, the Al-Anon is, is um, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is for people who have the addiction. Al-Anon is a support group. And the support group um I, I, I sat there. I'll never forget this. The first day I went to this meeting, it was, a, it was an all men's meeting. It just happened to be that way. And the, the I sat and I listened to these guys. I still remember them. And I remember the stories that they told. And I'm listening to each and every one of them talk about, one guy was talking about his son. Somebody else was talking about his daughter. Somebody was talking about his wife. And in every one of those circumstances, I 
just, I couldn't believe it. It was like they were describing this situation that I was in. And it was the most helpful thing to hear from others that they were, that they were dealing with the same thing that I was. And, and because I'm an empath and I'm a, I'm not a sociopath, right? So I'm, I'm, I tend to, if there's a problem and somebody accuses me of being a horrible person, I, I tend to want to figure out how I can make that better. You can't do that with somebody who's under the influence. You just can't. So the, 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 the major big advice I have for any one of you that is struggling with this is please uh, seek out an Al-Anon meeting. Uh, this is, the, again, the companion support group for people who are in Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, really, it's really powerful stuff. Uh, it was at that moment where almost it's like a light switch, switch went off in my head and I, I knew it wasn't me, it was, it was this person. So anyway, throwing that out there. Listen, um, <laughs> I, today was an absolutely wild, and I mean wild, day on Capitol Hill. I can't even believe I'm saying, do you know that we just had a U.S. senator threaten a witness to fisticuffs right there in in Washington at a Senate committee hearing. And the fight, the almost fight, had to be broken up by none other than Bernie Sanders. That's right, Bernie Sanders got involved. This is uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, Republican from Oklahoma. He's talking, uh, he's, he's got the witness that's being questioned is Sean O'Brien, uh, who I think is, I know he's a labor leader, Robbie, but he's a, uh, he's a, uh, what what group is he with? I th- I think he's with the Teamsters. I think the head of the Teamsters. And at any rate, um, he's he's a, here. Here's the exchange. It's absolutely wild because apparently there are some threats. Teamsters. It was the Teamsters. Yeah, there there were some threats that were written to and about Mullen by Sean O'Brien, and. This is how it went. I wish he was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company. Myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your solution? Every poll. No, no. Sit down. Oh, Eric, sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Act oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Shem- it. Hold it. If hold we can't, no, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. Jeez Louise, folks, I've heard a lot of responses to this video online. I, Robbie, what do you, what do you, what's your one word response to this? What's your one word response? Will Ferrell, (laughs) this is so juvenile. This is so embarrassing for Mullen. Mullen's an idiot. I'm, I can carry. I mean, I know he's a Republican, a nice guy. This is an idiotic move, and that that Bernie Sanders has to be the adult in the room is something that that gives me 
uh, a fair amount of, of pause. So I don't know. Maybe he, maybe, maybe Mullen was doing whippets in the back and was was worked up. But this is absolute, um, absolutely embarrassing. And and uh, and and odd, I don't know. I doesn't need to apologize. He never has to do this again. Just childish behavior. All right, we come back. Updates on the race for Republican nomination for president. Don't go anywhere. I've got some news. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajovsky here, host of the What's Right Show, live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Great to be with you folks. So first off, uh, dispense with some bit of news on polling in the um, Republican, uh, the GOP primary race. In one of the first national polls, Nikki Haley has moved into third place. So Haley, in uh, the morning consult uh, poll released today, is up to nine points nationally. Remember, she got further up in some local, I think Iowa, what? No, 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 uh, South Carolina, her home state. She's ahead of DeSantis there. But nationally, she has not, I think this is her best showing yet. Trump is still at 64%. I mean, that's the story, right? Everybody's saying, oh, look at this poll. Nikki Haley is in third place. Da, 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 da. And I'm looking at the numbers and I'm going, well, are we kind of ignoring the fact that the um, that the front runner is not neck and neck with the next runner up, but he's in a different galaxy? My gosh. It's so funny that the news people just want to read what they want to read because they love Nikki Haley. I'm going to explain this. It's a, it's not mass psychosis. I'll just explain this as a, what it actually is. They, Nikki Haley is destructible. The media knows this. This is why they're pushing her. They want a candidate who's going to fold on them. They want a candidate that will compromise. And Nikki Haley is making a fundamental mistake by pandering to the media that she thinks adore her. And she's dumb, too dumb to understand that she, they're, they're using her and they're playing her. They are pretending to, to love and adore her. And she is uh, answering this sweet serenade that she's getting by saying things like, for example, this extraordinarily stupid statement. Robbie, was this today? I This was today. This is her talking about how we can make the internet a safer place. This might as well be President Xi of China. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, 
all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country. Oh my gosh. What is this, Justin Trudeau registering every podcast? No, it's even worse than that. Registering every single social media user having a registry by the government of who's online? I mean, let's set aside the rather obvious constitutional uh, problems with this scheme as proposed by Nikki Haley. Uh, But let's just focus on how authoritarian this is. This is a proposal I would expect Biden put forward, you know, with his disinformation czar. This is China's, a version of China's social credit system. This is is horrifying. And Nikki Haley honestly doesn't sound all that too different uh, from, for example, Governor Kathy Hochul who today has launched an initiative to stop and combat misinformation. Listen to her. We're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts, what's being said on social media platforms. And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on on online platforms. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. No one in New York feels safe, you stupid cow. Uh, number one, people are getting pushed uh, you know, onto railroad tracks by Uh, criminally insane bums. So you've got that problem. People are getting mugged, uh, shot at, stabbed in the streets. Crime is, uh, is, is rampant and, and criminals are, you know, being let out of jail every 10 seconds. So, and I mean, I'm not even getting into the entire anti-Semitism problem that Hochul and others think is all just uh, the one side of the same coin Uh, with Islamophobia. But that Kathy Hochul at no point in this suggests that we register social media users. That recommendation came unbelievably from a Republican running for office, Nikki Haley. Now, what do I think? I, I think, you know, I think Nikki Haley winged this recommendation just sort of free spun it a bit uh maybe she you know ran it by a few people but it was you know she was on she was on fox news with harris faulkner and it was a fawning interview and so she just said hey this would be a solution and i think she's doing it in part because she's she feels uh unchallenged is that the word supported buoyed up by the media who is who's right now very much in love with her. That's a, you know, that that's a problem, folks. If the media could decide the election and hold the jokes, right? Because to some extent they are have, 
have an outsized influence. But if the media could decide the election, well, then Nikki Haley would be a shoe in The problem is that in the Republican primary, it's not, you know, it's not what the media thinks. It's not even what Fox News thinks. You know, the primary voters, Republican primary voters could, could give rats for your end about that. So it's, it's going to come down to the substance of these issues. And Nikki Haley is phenomenally weak on this. Funny enough, yesterday on News Nation with Chris Cuomo, Chris is trying desperately to reinvent himself as a middle-of-the-road journalist on News Nation, which is kind of laughable, given that he's you know, a Democrat guy, operative guy. He was, and I can never forgive him, right? D- remember during COVID, he, had, he was on CNN, and he every night did COVID updates and had his insufferable brother, then governor, Randy Andy Cuomo, on every, you know, every almost every night. They had that giant Q-tip thing about, you know, joking that they've got big nose. They were joking about this stuff as, um, they were literally joking about this as, um, you know, people were dying in, in, in rest homes when, when Cuomo sent, sent grandparents and old people to die uh, you know, instead of putting them in hospitals, just awful stuff. So the whole thing was a, was a sad display. So at any rate, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy goes on Nikki Haley and, um, excuse me, on <laughs> Chris Cuomo. I'm getting these people all mixed up. And Cuomo asks Vivek why he keeps going after Nikki Haley. Just kind of a dumb question. Of course, he's a, they're neck and neck contenders. And here is Ramaswamy's answer. Everybody's saying that impeaching Mayorkas is a ridiculous idea. I don't think so. I think it's perfectly fair. When you have a cabinet level... I got the wrong clip. This one. Chris, I don't know what you've been smoking, man. You and the rest of the mainstream media. It's laughable. Nikki Haley's been going after me the whole campaign. First debate, second debate. You know, she's been trailing me for much of the time, but I realize the establishment media has realized that there's a puppet they want to put up. I'm not playing that game. The grassroots of this country know they want a leader who isn't going to send us our sons and daughters to go die in foreign wars that racked up $7 trillion in debt. Dick Cheney 2.0 yeah. taken over the GOP. Problem is the Democratic establishment media is now rooting for war, too. I'm the only candidate speaking for a true America first agenda on that debate stage, and I think we're going to be successful. This is the tack to take with Nikki Haley. Now, Vivek's own numbers, he's... Where is he at now? He's nine, uh, no, eight percent and six percent in the polls that came out today. So he's he's not really rising the way you know I, I would think he he ought to. Uh, but but uh, but of course you know going after Nikki Haley is what he has to do. He has to fight. This is there. It's a it's a race, and the reason that you have you have the the mainstream media guys like Chris Cuomo saying why are you going after Nikki Haley. Because they're all playing, they're all running interference for her. And we Republicans need to wise up and not let the mainstream media, not let the establishment leftists in this country pick our nominee. And the way I know that we are hip to that, wise to that, is by looking at the poll numbers and seeing that, well, at least as of the polls released today, Trump is at 53 and 64 percent respectively. All right, friends, got to gotta run here. A quick break. Sam Erjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. 
Welcome back, Sam Rajofsky here. Hey, the What's Right show is on, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. So, uh, Matt Gates, uh, just now, uh, let's see, about, uh, well, 20 minutes ago, filed a formal ethics complaint against uh, former speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy. Now, what is this all about? Well, we had one senator on the Hill today threatened to beat up a witness, but in the House... Congressman McCarthy actually assaulted Tim Burchett, fellow congressman, one of the original eight who voted to vacate Kevin McCarthy's speakership. So this is, this is, what is going on in Washington, folks? It's like a, it's like an MMA fight. Apparently he, yes. I, I, I don't know. So, I guess he elbowed him in, in the ribs, okay? McCarthy was with a security detail. He still has got a security detail in the Capitol. I don't know what that's about. Um, yeah. yeah. McCarthy, I guess they exchanged words, and then, and then, and then, and then, then Kevin McCarthy literally elbowed him in the back. That's it. And, and, and it hurt, apparently. So I, you know, it's called it a clean shot to the kidney. So let's see, what is, what is, uh, well, there, it could be lead in the water, right? I mean, it's, it's an older building. Who knows? Uh, yeah, okay, so here's, here's what, it, Gates, sorry, folks, it's live radio, and we're, we're getting this information in real time. So uh, Burchett described the attack as a sucker punch and a clean shot to the kidney. Matt Gates really does not like Kevin McCarthy. Quote, needless to say, this incident deserves immediate and swift investigation by the Ethics Committee. This Congress had seen a substantial increase in breaches of decorum unlike anything we have ever seen since the pre-Civil War era. Well, there, there it is. So, um... And uh, yeah, so he, he forwards this on to the ranking member, Wild, uh, and chairman, uh, guest of the House Ethics uh, Committee. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, meanwhile, of course, Republicans are battling out the question of the debt ceiling increase. Uh, so this, you know, early this morning, Speaker Johnson, of course, I, he's, he's gone back and forth on, on whether there's a clean CR continued resolution here to to operate the government for a limited period of time as we've done uh here for the past uh, what is it six weeks uh so this um this the, the, this now there's back and forth and 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 they want to do a laddered CR that I mean presents some structure to adding time and I think you know I think obviously they, they want to do that here's what Johnson said about it this has been the habit here for for decades now for a long time as long as I've been in Congress and before where the Senate jams the house right before the Christmas holiday with a giant bill that's thousands of pages long that very few people have read and spends you know last year 1.7 trillion dollars adding a hundred billion dollars in new spending just sprinkling that on top that is no way to run a railroad and so this innovation this laddered CR that we're doing prevents that from happening and I think we'll have bipartisan partisan agreement that that is a better way to do it, to have the actual appropriations process. I began that immediately after I got the gavel, but here we are on the eve of November 17th, 
uh, we have a shutdown looming and we've got to prevent that because that would do even more harm for the economy. And by the way, Gates responded to this last night uh, talking about this this laddered approach, and this is what he had to say about it. House Speaker Johnson has been on the job for a few weeks, and government funding runs out in a few days. So right now, he's asking for support for a CR or continuing resolution. Now, we oppose continuing resolutions. Each agency of government should get itemized review. Spending cannot be cut if we advance all of the government's various and sundry programs all at once for the same duration of time. So Speaker Johnson's latter CR fails to meet the mark in this respect. It doesn't cut spending. It doesn't set the Republican-controlled House up for a win or even to engage in a single policy fight. But then Gates says that the latter concept is actually not a bad idea altogether. Follow me here on the latter concept. So a latter concept that is clean is a bad idea because it doesn't sufficiently do the border work that we've been talking about and it doesn't sufficiently cut spending. But the latter itself isn't bad. The concept that we are fighting against is this notion that all of government gets voted on all at once for one big up or down vote to extend every agency for the same duration of time. With a ladder, the good news is that you're able to cleave the important stuff that we all agree on that's bipartisan, paying our troops, paying our border patrol, uh, ensuring that people still get their IRS refunds and their social security checks. You do that, and then you set on shorter ladders different features of government that have to have itemized review. I'm thinking notably the DOJ, a lot of the parts of the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of State, you set those on shorter ladders, and then you're able to really zero in on what those entities of government are doing. Now, here's the problem. See, see, the Democrats want a giant, big, up or down vote that's jammed up at the end of the year. They want to do that. They, and the reason for it is, is you can get a lot more spending. By the way, there's a whole host of Republicans on our side of the aisle that like the same exact thing. They like the idea of cramming a lot of stuff that's not palatable, but then, you know, who wants to have the albatross of a government shutdown around their necks? So these things end up getting voted through, and we spend and spend, continuously growing the deficit and the national debt. So the idea of the latter is you separate out, you go, okay, we're going to fund this particular appropriation. We're going to fund this department. And then you move on to the next. And then the best part about that too is they don't all expire at the same time either. So you deal with them sort of piecemeal. But that takes away uh, the leverage, right? That takes away the leverage that, well, for example, here the Dems have in the Senate by controlling the Senate. They can put out, a, they can just hold on to everything like they have been. They haven't passed anything, any single spending item to my knowledge yet. They're deliberately waiting in order to exact concessions from the Republican-led House of Representatives. That's the strategy. Why pass this piecemeal if they can hold out and say, well, you want to you fund the troops? You want to fund these things that you think are important? You want to fund IRS refunds? Because we're not going to give that to you unless you give us some of the stuff we want. Now, this kind of horse trading is very common in D.C., uh, but it's, you know, but I'm, but, but the tough thing is, you know, what is how many days on the job? Is it three weeks? So Speaker Johnson is, is, you know, coming 
you know, a few days late behind the ball in terms of getting a deal worked out. And he's primarily has to get the deal worked out with with Republicans who, of course, have different uh, different different priorities. The the House Freedom Caucus is uh, seems to not be you know uh, on board with a clean uh, you know raising of the CR for the for the next foreseeable future. But again, they've previously said that they would, so kind of goes back and forth. All right, President Xi. We talked about this yesterday. President Xi is. Uh, landing in 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 San Francisco, um, the reason, folks, that I here in Las Vegas continue to talk about San Francisco is because I see it as a major cautionary tale. I mean, San Francisco is one of the most beautiful cities in this country, and bad policies destroyed it. And there's a lesson here for us in Las Vegas: may we never go this path. So let's. Let me give you some updates on what's going on there. Uh, yeah, just because they cleaned up things for she doesn't mean the crime went away. Boy, do I have a story for you. All right, be right back, folks. Don't, don't switch the dial. Stay tuned. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. You know, here's a funny story that is San Francisco adjacent. There's a funny way to refer to local news here in Las Vegas. Sam Rajovsky, your host of the What's Right Show. This is me, and we are on. Welcome to the program. We're here 1 to 3 p.m. Common Sense Conservatism, delivered Monday through Friday here on News Talk 840 KXNT. So Formula One, uh, first race, uh, qualifying race will be on Thursday. And in anticipation of the event, I saw a headline uh, today that the uh, organizers of Formula One together with Metro Police have begun to remove the homeless population from beneath the Las Vegas Strip. So that's what it takes. I mean, it takes a race. Just like in San Francisco, they finally cleaning up the homeless, erecting barricades and s- sweeping these people up in a way because there's the Apex Summit. They've got Xi Jinping and other dignitaries arriving there um so i you know i thought about this there's another by the way another local an- analogy which is the uh, music festival life is beautiful and whenever they do that downtown las vegas immediately do a sweep and get you know all the all the all the crazies all the all the dirty you know street poopers get uh, get you know shuffled off uh somewhere else swept up and suddenly downtown is is remarkably is remarkably vagrant free. So, well, it, well, I was talking with Alan Stock about it this morning. Is what what happened? Because we, you know, he was asking me about the the situation in in, in San Francisco, and and I brought up that it was you know to him that it was going on here in, in Vegas as well. That we seem to have selective will in removing the criminally insane people who uh, you know, present a danger. Many of them present a serious danger to uh, the safety 
of ordinary people and, and property and whatnot, we seem to be able to, in certain circumstances, remove them. And to all of you saying, well, Sam, it's not just, you know, it's not that easy. This is, uh, she is arriving, the dictator from China's showing up. And so this becomes the city streets are become, you know, federal jurisdiction. And so the feds come in and the secret service and I, okay, I got all that. I understand the, the mechanism behind it. I'm just letting you know that life is beautiful is not organized by the secret service. Okay, that's what I'm, I'm getting at here. And to my knowledge, Formula One is not either. So, uh, so there's that. So somehow we're able to determine that for these very expensive high-end events that Formula One, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, that we're able to clean things up. But when you and I have our small business in you know a downtown area they don't they don't care about us one rip this is the this to me right here is such an encapsulation of what irks me and what i why i consider the lack of response to the to the homeless problem to be a serious breach of the social contract that we have with our government what do we do for the government let's start i mean it's a it's a list right we do a lot. I'm going to take the obvious one, right? We pay taxes. And depending on the jurisdiction, I mean, hell, if you're a business owner in San Francisco, you are paying taxes up the A money money, okay? You're paying a lot of taxes. I remember I briefly, some years ago, had an office in San Francisco, and I got this incredible tax bill in the mail, and I wasn't living there full time. It was a, uh, you know, it was like an executive suite office. So we really just had one little room with a, you know, basic, I don't know, some office depot furniture in it. And, and believe it or not, I get this bill and the city has calculated, has determined that I need to pay, it's $5,000, $6,000 for the year just on taxes for the equipment that they thought was in my office. So I'm just, that was just, you know, me with a desk and a computer. Can you imagine what a real business that has inventory in it, it has to pay to the city? So we, it was a, we as business owners, we pay money, okay? What else do we do? And not even just business owners. I'm saying law-abiding, there's the answer. We follow the laws, even when it's an inconvenience to us, even though, even when it is more expensive for us to operate in a way that conforms to what uh, what what is is legally required. Now, why do we do that, by the way? Not just because we're good people, but because we have something to lose. We have a business. We have a reputation. We have a clean record, and that matters to us in our in our professional work, in our social standing. On the other hand, are the people that don't care at all about their record. In fact, they're they're gone. They're they're mentally out there. They are just very poor versions of Tony Shea. They're roaming around with the same illusions and delusions. Have no money, nobody to take care of them. But by not taking by the state leaving them out to do damage, 
to our businesses, to our, to us individually, to our kids. When they have these homeless encampments in LA and San Francisco that are in front of schools, by allowing this, what you're putting people who have literally nothing to lose and pitting them against the rest of us that have everything to lose. And I guess my safety and your safety and my business and your business and your house, whatever it is, piece of property, your car, all of that is is not, I guess, that important to the government. I mean, for Formula One, they'll clean the stuff up. For President Xi of China, they'll clean it up. For Life is Beautiful, they'll clean it up. But for Sam, for you, for, for, for us, I mean, we're just, we're chopped liver. And that is such, you know, that feeling when you really wrap your head around it can make somebody feel a little resentful. Can make you feel like, you know, Maybe I'm being, I'm being taken for a fool by the very government that ought to look out for me and represent me. You know, I, my, I always say it's my greatest fear is that we continue in some respects to follow the same trajectory that these cities like San Francisco, LA, Baltimore, New York, have been on because if we continue on that we're, we don't have the same runway that they do San Francisco you, you can still rob it some more you can still destroy it some more and there's just an enormous amount of wealth there and it's still beautiful and it's still on the ocean and the climate is a little chilly but fabulous for the most part it has a lot going for it we're a dot in the desert no matter how much we grow, how, how big we get, we're, we're still a dot in the desert. And we exist because we have something here that's different. We have greater economic opportunity. That is a big selling point of Nevada. But we also need to, must be, tougher on crime. We have to clean up our streets. We can't let criminally insane people roam but for during Formula One. Life is beautiful, etc., we have to treat every homeowner, every business owner, every vested citizen in this city with respect. And I'm sick and tired of hearing folks that's, oh, Sam, they're unhoused and you need to treat them with respect. It is fundamentally disrespectful to allow people in, in the state that I see out on the street and that you see, you know what I'm talking about here. These are people that are not well that are, cannot exist independently. They need help. You cannot help them by letting them roam free. You can't do it. There has to be a solution. There has to be political will. The courts need to get a grip. So following all this litigation and looking at all this, and by the way, San Francisco, I, the funny story that I have for you is uh, that there's a Czech TV crew. You know, I'm, I'm, my parents are from the Czech Republic. So and my, my, I have a text out to my, my cousin, who would have been the one to get robbed. Yeah, the Czech TV journalist, Bohumil Vostal, uh, got robbed. They stole his camera with all of his footage on it. But I, I always remember my, 
Yeah, my cousin David Merjofsky was uh, is uh, a Czech reporter, and he was the Czech guy on the ground uh, based in D.C. in the U.S. So he was always out here. He was coming out to Vegas doing news stories. And I remember him always telling me, like, whenever we'd meet up for lunch, it was like the camera was the camera was everything. Robbie, do you, you remember meeting him? You know, he came to the office and but remember his camera. The, the camera is like that. That it can't you can't just replace that thing. It's it's it. it I, the article here says eighteen grand. I think that's about right. So some hoodlums just jump out of the car and 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 rob the uh, the, the the Czech reporter and his cameraman uh, and steal all their equipment, all their stuff, and 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 drive away. And uh, it was yeah, it was right in where was it uh, by the City Lights bookstore in San Francisco. And it wasn't late at night. It was it was during sunset. I mean, for hell's bell. And, and APEC is going. This is after they've been, you know, cops everywhere. Why is this? Well, this is another part of it, right? And that is that criminals continue to be let out of jail. They continue to get soft touch on 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 you know on crime and on, there's not enough punishment, not enough accountability. And this is this is just only going to get worse if we let this happen here. We're toast. All right, gotta uh, gotta take a short profit timeout here. Be right back, folks. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk eight forty, KXNT. This hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. In Nashville, these cases are all over, including right here in Vegas. Uh, but I just want to share this. Jillian Ludwig was an 18-year-old musician living in Nashville, attending Belmont University. She died a few days ago. She was hit in the head by a bullet fired by a guy named Shaquille Taylor. Shaquille Taylor was out on a street corner randomly shooting at passing cars. Now, who is this Taylor guy? He's got a rap sheet, as you might not be too surprised to hear. Past a year ago or so, he was charged with aggravated assault. He shot into a vehicle with kids inside. And what did the DA do there in Nashville? Guess what? Charges were dismissed. Taylor was set free, and the court they, the court said he was mentally unfit for trial, but they didn't send him to a mental institution, right? Just like these crazy bums lurking around that endlessly damage our communities and cause problems and push people and shove people and burn buildings, burn underpasses under freeways, take down the 10 freeway. This guy, they go, yeah, he's mental. So what are we going to do? We're just going to let him go. So he goes out, goes to a street corner a few days ago, and starts shooting randomly at passing cars. One of the bullets struck Jillian Ludwig in the head, and she died. Where, how do we justify a policy that allows criminals like this to get 
not a second chance, but a third, a fourth, a fifth, a 200th chance. Was this result not perfectly, uh, I don't know, foreseeable? This guy is a total scumbag. This is a total piece of crap. This guy... This guy shot into a vehicle with kids in it. Miraculously, no one was hurt. And so what would happen? Nothing. This person should have been in prison for 25 years for attempt murder. That's what he should have been. And this young woman, this young lady ought to be alive. Imagine she is your daughter. Imagine she's your wife, your girlfriend, your sister your friend imagine knowing her and losing this person's life all because we decided to be woke that some DA goes well Mr. Mr. what's his name Shaquille Taylor deserved a second chance compassion for criminals means the inevitable inflection of tremendous and unconscionable cruelty to innocent people. That's the cost. And I'm convinced, by the way, that the left knows that that's the cost and it's baked into the equation. I mean, I, I think that that's how it is. I think that, you know, they, they pretend that it's, you know, that it's all about social, you know, justice and, and, and doing the right thing and, and compassion. But, but, but in effect... They want these criminals out there to settle the score because in, in their heads, if you, if you analyze some of the rhetoric of the social justice crowd, you realize they're out there, they, they, they're out there thinking that it's, it's almost justified that people with privilege die or are hurt because that's a necessary cost of evening things up and making things, you know, bringing about a just equilibrium. They talk like this. They think like this. It's insanity. And it sounds good in a, in a vacuum if you're, if you're, you know, a 19-year-old college sophomore and you've got, you know, uh, animal manure for brains. And, you know, and even some of the smartest people I know perhaps were a little bit idealistic in their college years. But at some point, this all is manifest insanity. You, 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 can't, you, you can't reason your way around it. I think about the young man here in Las Vegas who was beaten to death November 1st. 15 attackers at Rancho High School. 15. Now, police are still looking for him. I, I, I'm sure as hell, given that there's a video and that... Uh, you know, there needs to, you know, there, these people need to be tracked down, each and every one of them. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're, if they're under 16, over 16. They need to be, they all need to be tried for murder. But as I explained yesterday, I promise you this. I am, I am looking at the what's right crystal ball here, and I'm looking deep into it, and I can tell you that once we start getting these perps' names, and we get some journalists like we have. We've got some good investigative people here in town who are going to start looking at their background. You will find at every turn, 
excuses, chances, you know, compassion for terrible behavior. And not just terrible behavior, likely also criminal conduct. We need to get real about locking people up or more people will die. This is, to me, I think this is one of the most important pressing issues of our time. And it's very similar, right? This, this social justice woke concept of letting out criminals you know, because it's the right thing to do and, and, and to hell with the consequences of innocent people, law-abiding citizens getting hurt is very similar to how the government, the same crowd, deals with with the homeless thing it doesn't matter let the let the crazies roam the street and damage businesses let them do that all those people with businesses and and homes and 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 money oh you guys are just it's white privilege it's just called they can they you these business owners we can absorb these costs right that's how they think it's fundamentally wrong and it and it and it breaks the very important social comp, compact. All right, when we come back, talk about Biden needing to drop out is intensifying. I'll explain. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, Sam Rajovsky here. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with us, folks. So, hey, uh, this is an interesting uh, shot fired this morning, and not an actual shot, but a criticism. This is um, uh, this is a big deal because of who it is. David Axelrod, who is a high-level uh, Democratic strategist, he was responsible for uh, Barack Obama's uh, political fortunes. I mean, he, he was kind of Karl Rove, uh, what Karl Rove was to George W. Bush. David Axelrod was to Obama. And Axelrod has known Joe Biden for a, a, a hell of a long time, right? They've, they're, they go way back. And so this, um, this is, this is interesting. Now he's, he does not think that Joe Biden is up for the job. That's the, that's the high-level remark here. Um, but uh, but he, he, his, he's basically, um, he basically think, uh, thinks that, that Biden doesn't have it and made comments to that effect. So he gets, he gets asked this morning on CNN International with Casey Hunt, Cassie Hunt, excuse me, uh, I guess Biden allegedly called Axelrod a, a, a bad word. Yeah, he called him, yeah, he called him a bad word. I'm going to leave it at that. Biden has a potty mouth, okay? Biden likes to swear. He, and, and so it's consistent with, you know, the way Biden probably speaks about his enemies. So Axelrod shrugs it off and, uh, and says this. Well, he wouldn't be the first, I guess, in my many years in politics. Listen, I understand he was irritated because uh, I raised concerns that many, many Democrats had. And again, you know, my feeling is either get out or get going. Meaning, of course, pick up the pace, go on the offensive, fight like hell, or 
you know, continue taking naps and shuffling around and, 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 and giving people vacant stares and getting lost when you're uh, Veterans Day events. I mean, that was the latest bit of, of Biden uh, insanity. Did you see that? He was kind of turned right, turned, turned left, didn't know where to go. There was a wreath. He was lost just in the middle of the plane of day, like right, right then and there, completely, completely disoriented. And so, so Axelrod saying, look, you can call me whatever you want. I've been called worse, but you, you know, I'm voicing concerns that a lot of Democrats are voicing to me. And, and, and so it's not, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one. Now, Mike Barnacle, um, you know, he's, he's, this is a yeah, strategist here is talking about, um, with, with, uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC and, um, yeah, but and he's trying to trying to carry some water for for Biden. This was an interesting exchange. I got to play this for you. Read every newspaper in the country about President Biden. Within the first two paragraphs, they'll point out he's in his eighties. No kidding. Mm-hmm. He knows how old he is. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Someone forty five years of age couldn't do what he does yeah. every day, but he does it. So they're supporting Biden. I, to me, this sounds like I don't know this old story of the emperor's. New clothes, everybody agreeing in the room. This is so wonderful. This is amazing. Uh, your majesty, your, 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 uh, your, your gown is unbelievable, right? Nobody wants to say anything. So suddenly now on MSNBC on Morning Joe, they're, they're saying how a 45-year-old couldn't keep up with Biden. Folks, I'm only 43, so maybe in two years I will, I will really go off, off the, off, off the, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll deteriorate rapidly in the next two years and, and won't be able to keep up with Biden. But listen, I'm fairly confident that 45, the average 45-year-old can do a lot more, not just physically, but mentally than Biden. And it's obvious to everybody watching. So then Joe Scarborough, right? The host of Morning Joe on MSNBC says this, and listen carefully. Meek and I have, have talked to so many diplomats and world leaders over the last two, three years, and they all say the same thing. They all, they all say that the guy has, has a feel, has a grasp uh, for geopolitics, strategies, all the angles, uh, and, and he gets it. And, and you yeah. know, I, I understand that doesn't sell well on some right-wing podcast. I understand people don't want to tell the truth on other news channels because it may hurt their ratings if they actually tell the truth about President Biden there. I'm just telling you on foreign policy, talk to the foreign leaders. They will tell you Biden understands in many cases what's going on in their region better than they understand. Do you believe this? Because producer Robbie is literally asphyxiating right now. He's laughing so hard. Do you believe this? Well, I don't, well, yeah, they don't, there's no, they don't believe, he doesn't, Joe doesn't, Joe Scarborough, I need to be very clear about this, too many Joes in the kitchen. Joe Scarborough, Mika, his guest, Mike Barnacle, no one watching believes what he's saying. And I've, I can prove it to you, right? I can literally prove it to you because if I go back to the 13th of September, Joe Scarborough said this, and it sounds almost identical to the way he laid out this argument that he made today, how Biden, everybody's saying the same thing, right? Everybody's saying that 
Joe Biden has a grasp for geopolitical strategies. He understands what's going on in regions better than than the foreign leaders that that live there and lead those regions themselves do. So here, what is this? Uh, where today is the 14th. So two months ago, Joe Scarborough said this. Mika and I, uh, everybody we talk to, every political discussion, all uh, it, it talks a lot about Trump. But when it comes to Joe Biden, people say, man, he's too old to run, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to he's not really going to run. Every discussion. When I say every discussion, I don't mean 99 percent of the discussions. Every discussion. We got it. I asked Reverend Al. If he was hearing it all the time on our show this past week, he's hearing it as well. So, you know, we often will complain about Republicans who will say one thing about Donald Trump off the air and another on air. Well, let me just say Democrats off the air will say Joe Biden's too old. (laughs) I mean, so I guess I guess in just two months time, Biden's really come back from the dead, so to speak at least in the estimation of Joe Scarborough. And I, 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 I what well, you're going to say, oh, that he's, that he's talking about his age and not his mental acuity. When, when people say Biden's too old, it, folks, it does not, that does not mean that he is 80 years old. It means that he's literally falling apart in every respect. And so, you know, I frequently talk here about the credibility of mainstream journalism, employing some air quotes there that you cannot see. So-called journalism. I mean, how can somebody like Scarborough have any credibility with these two totally different statements? And it's so funny because both arguments are started in the same way. Basically, they've talked to so many people. Meek and I have talked to everybody, to every political discussion. Meek and I have talked to so many diplomats and world leaders over the last 23 years. So, I mean, by the way, the 23-year thing is also funny, Robbie, because, okay, what's, what did somebody say 23 years ago about, about Biden versus what they say about him now? Well, here's the spoiler alert. Joe Biden's always been not that bright of a guy. Now he just has dementia, and it's a terrible thing to watch. And mark my words, the louder that Joe Scarborough and others get in defending him in saying that, well, he's in his 80s, but you know, 45-year-olds couldn't keep up with him. The more you hear of total outlandish propaganda, the more you realize that there is extreme panic behind the scenes. The Dems are freaking out. And I tell you, it's, it's, they can, the more that they, the more that they push the narrative that Biden is great, two things it tells me. One, they understand the inevitability of Donald Trump. And two, they absolutely see that what is going on with Biden is, is no bueno. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in a moment. Sam Rajofsky here, this hour brought to you by the, Sam and Ash Injury Law Firm, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Do we know how that police investigation in Nashville is going into the leaked 
pages of the Trans Shooters Manifesto, Robbie. Any updates on that? Sam Rajofsky here, behind the What's Right microphone. Pleased to be with you, friends. I am Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. And uh, I bring this up, Robbie, because, of course, on TikTok, libs of TikTok unearthed yet another gem. Now, it has to be noted, very important. By rebroadcasting this, by taking this video and reposting it on TikTok, now me putting it on the program and playing it on air, we are... What are we doing? We're the ones we're the ones engaged in in bigoted behavior. Right, Robbie? Like th- here's what's insane. This person, this trans person on this video, TikTok video, is making an argument for why he she whatever we've got here uh, why this person thinks it's okay to kill to stab to death folks who are critical, let's say, of of trans issues. Listen. Yes, I do wish death on transphobic people because they wish death on me and have caused death to many, many, many of my brothers and sisters in the trans community. I want to stab all of you to death as many times as I can. I want to stab you in the throat and twist it like I'm carving a pumpkin. I want to shred you into tiny pieces. I want to tear your bones out from your body. I want to scoop your brains out with a spoon. I want to eat your flesh. So, not a vegan. Uh, Seems to be pretty obvious to me. Uh, From from the last comment. I I can't wait. You have to take it seriously because this is precisely the kind of thinking that the Nashville school shooter, the Christian school shooter, we're not going to name her. This is precisely the kind of thinking that she engaged in. And it's been known pretty much, well, to the authorities from 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 Go because they found her her diaries. They found her writings. We've only gotten three pages. The people that released those pages are are being sought, and and I think a handful of them have been placed on administrative leave. Is that right, Robbie? Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the investigation, right? I, I understand. So we, it's going to get, you know, they're, the, the point is, right, they're going after the people that may or may not have released this to, uh, to Crowder. And, and again, I, I mean, it, well, where is the outrage from the words are violence people, right? The words are violence. Because ironically, the trans people here think that words are violence, and you hear it all the time. You can't say that there are two genders. That's literally gonna hurt. It's gonna cause me physical pain, Sam. <laughs> right? That's that's how they talk. I get these emails, folks. I know. You know, occasionally one of these people gets listens to the program and. Uh, before they yeah before they realize maybe not for them they 
get drawn in and find me talking about this. So, so you say two genders, and, and literally the reaction is that that is an act of violence. Because you're, you're denying somebody who thinks they're like the 327th gender. So I'm, I'm only saying that here you have somebody actually saying that they want to do all these things. Now, I, it's still protected speech, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not making a constitutional argument. I'm making a legal argument to have the speech removed. I'm just saying it's very important for us to be aware that this exists and of the double standard that the you know speech is violence people have. It's never about the, the speech being violent or hurting people. It's never been about protecting anybody. If it were, stuff like this would be would be chased down and 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 removed. No, the real story here is it's about control and silencing opposing viewpoints. This, you know, it's easy to make fun of this person who's obviously mentally ill. Not only do they not know what gender they are, they also want to kill people and stab them and eat them. Like where I come from, that's like that's a whole lot of layers of 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 wackadoodleness. But that's not really the that's not my takeaway here, right? Follow me on this. This just ex- shows exactly that the speech patrol people, because we want to help, because we want to protect, because we don't want to hurt anybody. It's about control. And if it's somebody on their side saying it, they're going to protect them. And we right now, current status, we have our federal government protecting someone who expressed similar opinions to this raging lunatic. But instead of just posting a video, this chick went in with an assault rifle. I'm going to, since I want to appeal to the left here, so I want to use their language, used a mean assault weapon and killed many people. And the government is covering for her. They're covering for her simply because it doesn't fit their approved narrative. You start to see now why Nikki Haley and her bat nuts crazy idea of registering every person who gives an opinion on the internet is ludicrous let alone unconstitutional. Imagine a world where the government knows exactly what you think and what you say. They decide then what is right and what isn't. And you take what we've already learned about the government interfering in free speech on social media platforms. And what you have there is an absolute recipe for disaster. It's not even, it's not even up for debate. So I'm noticing that this, during the break, I was observing, by the way, that the reactions as we speak are, are kind of piling into this interview that Nikki Haley gave. Robbie, was that, that was today or yesterday when she gave those remarks uh, to Faulkner, uh, Harris Faulkner. It was today. So the, so the reactions are, are pouring in. I tell you, it's not good. I, I have a prediction. I think that that comment there really could derail Nikki Haley. I I don't see very many primary voting Republicans being ecstatic about a candidate uh, suggesting that we have almost a Chinese level, right? Red China level uh, 
uh, you know, regulation, registration of 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 people that are on social media. This this is absolutely ludicrous, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, that's true. You know what? What you you know what? By the way, Robbie, you're not you're not you're not that far off. Okay, Robbie here's talking in my ear. He's saying that we should also just register your every person's Alexa so the government knows what's being said around the dinner table. Boy, is that George Orwell? What, what were those TV devices, the listening devices called? And what was, what, it, it, it was the thing, but that is straight out of George Orwell. And by the way, this is why the Murchofsky household, uh, my daughter loves Alexa's when she goes over to her friend's house. I will not have a single Alexa Google Play, whatever device in my house, absolutely under no circumstances uh, will I have that. And uh, what's that? Yeah, 1984, uh, telescreens, that's what it was. By the way, that was that was written, it just was, it was so far uh, ahead of its time. And um, and it, it, it it's, it's exactly what's going on. Don't think for a minute, by the way, folks, don't think for a minute that what that Alexa is picking up in your house can't be accessed and that the government can't get to it. And I'm not, I, look, I'm not a wacky conspiracy guy. I'm just telling you, I've seen what they did at Twitter. I've seen what they did at Facebook. I've seen what they did at Google. Trust me, they're getting that information and they're, 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 they'll find ways of using it. So you've been warned. All right, two hours of radio fun has, well, it's up. We gotta go time to go. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you then. Folks, have a wonderful day. Be safe out there. Drive safely. If you get in a crash, call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. Right.